1: If you're a tennis fan, you'll love Betting Weekly Game Bet Match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to
0: Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. It's the Mike Francesa Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Welcome to the Mike Francesa Podcast, uh, and obviously the story of the week in what should be a very interesting week in sports is the NFL draft, which is, folks, the single greatest sports marketing job in the history of professional sports. There's nothing even close, because you have here a non-event which has been turned into a three-day television event. And not only that, it is analyzed Chronicled and examined for months on end before it happens. So it occupies hundreds of hours of social media time, of uh, TV time. It creates a cottage industry of jobs. It has created an incredible number of jobs. Uh, there are so many guys now who do this. There used to be one, then there were two. Now there's like countless. There are so many mock drafts, you can't even count all of them. So it is amazing how this non-event, which is basically just selecting players that you hope would become players in the future. Many fail, many don't, if you go back and look at it. But it has become, and let's be honest, the, the NFL Network wouldn't survive without the NFL draft. I mean, it, it couldn't last the offseason. Without it. Uh, So, to decipher all this and go through it, we welcome in uh, Mike Tannenbaum, who uh, has been a big part of two franchises, the Jets and the Dolphins, and now he, uh, among other things, works for ESPN and adds his insight to all this. He's also one of those guys who actually does understand the uh, NFL salary cap, which is probably now. You know, more complicated than the space project uh, as it now goes, uh, uh, blossoms above two hundred million dollars at two hundred and eight and change. Mike, welcome. How are you? Great to be with you, Mike. How are you doing? I'm fine, thank you. And uh, how's life these days uh, on the other side of the on the other side of the divide?
1: Yeah, great. You know, um, I, I feel like I have a meaningful seat at the table. I'm still learning. Uh, get to be part of the NFL ecosystem, so it's been a more fulfilling and rewarding than I thought, and it's allowed me to do some other things. They um, teach a class at Columbia, amongst other things, so it's been a, it's been a great experience.
0: You know, uh, Mike Tannenbaum's a guy who came up as a business guy and then blossomed into a general manager who learned the personnel side of the business from very smart people. Uh, And then wound up running a franchise and running it uh, for a good period of years very successfully. Uh, And then obviously had a stay with the Dolphins before. Now he's in the uh, hated media uh, as, you know, he's gone across the uh, hated divide. But he has um, and now has a bunch of projects, including his work with uh, ESPN. This, Mike. The NFL is great at marketing. There's, there's no organization in my lifetime that's been better at it. Uh, but the draft is the perfect example of if you're going to teach marketing in college and teach sports marketing anywhere, the growth and the industry that they have created for the NFL draft is the model. There's nothing even close to it. It is amazing the industry that it has become.
1: Yeah, Mike, your, your points are so well taken. And one thing that's interesting is if the NFL is the most popular sport in the country, arguably college football is the second most popular sport. It is. And when you think about the you know, Mike, when you think about it, the draft is sort of the confluence of those two things.
0: Good point. And, you know, the one sport, the NFL is on its own level. It's on its own level from a TV standpoint. Nothing can touch it. Other sports have been hurt. The one sport that has shown television growth and has made smart moves in every way economically in the last 10 years is college football. College football has blossomed as a TV product, their own networks, the success of the Big Ten network. I mean, college football, I know it's a weird time in college because now the player has freedom and he has some economic clout and – there's also the portal stuff, which is driving college basketball coaches crazy, uh, chasing some guys out of the sport. But the bottom line is um, college football is incredibly popular and has become a great TV product.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. And I think they've done a reasonably good balance, Mike, of the great rivalries, the Ohio State-Michigan. It's like there's still some sanctity. Uh, But we've also seen some, as we've seen college free agency, you know, um, certainly the SEC has been extraordinarily aggressive. And I think very strategic, Mike, when you think about Saturdays in the fall for a good third of the country, uh, SEC, Big Ten. And, you know, when Clemson's rolling to a certain extent, the ACC really dominates a lot of the
0: media come Friday and Saturday. No question about it, Uh, especially, as you said, the SEC. The SEC's success and the Big Ten Network. The Big Ten Network became one of the most successful TV packages of all time. I mean, it's uh, unbelievable because of the penetration of households that it had. Now, the draft itself, the, the fascinating thing about this draft versus most drafts is most drafts, we have a bona fide killer number one, Luck. Aikman, uh, Elway, etc., where everybody knows him, everybody's ready for him. Even a even a Lawrence from last year, you don't have that this year. So you don't have that player. Whenever you don't have a quarterback at the first pick, it changes the whole texture of the draft. It makes people look at all different things, trades. It makes it look at different guys getting picked number one. And then you have this craziness where nobody can decide what quarterback is going to be the first guy. You know somebody's going to reach into that round early for a quarterback because it happens every single year. It would be a miracle if it doesn't happen. And nobody knows who it is, which quarterback it's going to be. Great point, Mike. And
1: let's face it, the reality is, there's, in my opinion, 18 to 20 quarterbacks on the plant that you could really win a meaningful amount of games. So will you juxtapose that list with what's going on with what the colleges are putting out. There's just not, if we look back at this year's draft, Mike, maybe Kenny Pickett, maybe Malik Willis will be guys that we think of. And I, and I see Pickett candidly, Mike, as a guy like Matt Shop. you know, He's a four-year starter in college, has 49 starts, had a very good year this year. But I don't see tremendous upside. But if you're the Carolina Panthers, you may have a better chance of surviving if you're Matt Rule someone like Pickett, that you do Sam
0: Darnold. So this year, uh, do you see somebody reaching into the first 10 or 12 picks of this draft and surprising everybody with a quarterback? Or do you think we'll be down in the 20s before somebody takes a quarterback?
1: I think after Carolina, I think the next spot to me is Pittsburgh. You know, they signed Trubisky to a one-year deal. I see somebody like Malik Willis maybe going there. And I think that would be ideal, Mike, sit behind you know, learn from Tomlin, sit behind Trubisky for a year. Malik Willis is an interesting prospect, but here's the problem, Mike. He's only one, so that's why I don't see teams reaching up because there's not those, as you mentioned, these physical, dominant, transformational talents this year.
0: No, I mean, even, like, to me, you know, I thought last year, and I like, I like Lawrence. I, I, I always have. I thought he had a terrific year last year. First of all, he was in utter chaos. His coach never should have been an NFL coach, and he never wanted the job. He never knew how to handle a staff. He he, He knew early on that it wasn't for him. He sat in my studio two years ago and said to me, I'll never coach in the NFL. I don't belong there. And then he went and coached in the NFL anyway, and he hated every day of it. He hated it. He hated the staff. He hated the whole way it works. He he didn't like anything about it. He knew he was in the wrong place. This kid never complained about that. He never took a day off. He never missed a game. Okay? He got terrible coaching last year. He was in a chaotic situation. You never heard him make an excuse. All he did was go out and play his rear end off. He made mistakes. He made a lot of mistakes. You expect guys to make mistakes. Peyton Manning went 3-13. and Aikman didn't win a game as a first-year quarterback. He got benched for Steve Walsh. I mean, so uh, Terry Bradshaw took him years to get a job. I mean, he, got, he was crying. He wanted out of Pittsburgh a 1,000 times. Phil Simms wanted out of the Giants. I mean, go down the list. This doesn't happen in a year. I thought the kid did a great job last year.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. It's really amazing when you think about it that the other first-round pick, Travis Etienne, didn't play, and they had a horrible, horrible offensive line. I think he has a chance to be really good. I think his athleticism is underrated. I think they can expand some of the things offensively, and I think Doug Peterson... You know, the verb I would use, Mike, I think he's the right commie influence that that franchise desperately needs.
0: What I love, too, is two things about him, Mr. T. He never missed a game. He never took himself out of the lineup. He took a beating, never complained, always put it on himself, and kept fighting to the last game to try and win a game. So, to me, I saw everything I need to see from that kid last year that tells me he's going to be a star in this league.
1: You know, I, I agree, and that's one of the things you spend so much time when you're with the team. Mike, was hey, when someone gets their jersey dirty, when they hit, you know, that inevitable block of you know when they stumble, as you mentioned, be Peyton Manning, Troy Aikman, even the Eli Manning in our, in the New York market. Yep. You know how they're going to respond? And I think all things considered, he handled himself well. Now, the question we'll never know is: Imagine if that was in a major media market. You know how would that have gone? But the good news is. You know, he's got the first year under his belt. I think they're going to draft a really good player, maybe not a great player uh, in in Aiden Hutchinson. But I think what they have now is they overspent, Mike, but they've added some good football players.
0: Hey, if they go and build them a line and get them some targets – he will do really well, and then they can start to build on the other side of the ball. They have a lot of work to do, there's no question. You're right, it's a franchise that basically is half in London, half in America. I mean, we know that. I mean, it's it's crazy. It's not a very sound franchise right now in terms of everything. But they do have a franchise quarterback, which is a step in the right direction. Uh, everyone destroyed Urban Meyer, and, and rightly so. He did a lot of stupid things. I mean, he just was not the, he just did not belong on the NFL level. And the biggest thing was, which no one saw, was he couldn't coach coaches. He could not coach NFL type coaches. He did. It was impossible for him to coach those guys. He had a style of coaching guys that was only going to work in college, it was not going to work with NFL type guys.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree, Mike. And, you know, there's a great expression, you know, players don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And his style, I agree, scaling leadership with the coaches, scaling leadership with the players. Um, what may have worked in Columbus, Ohio, or Gainesville, Florida, you know, these are grown men, and it's, it's just a different culture and ecosystem, and uh,
0: it just didn't work. What would you do if you were Jacksonville? Would you – Try to trade down and get some volume and pick up some extra picks or would you take the player? In essence, do you think that they look in two years and say, boy, Hutchison is just a monster and we made the right pick? Or do they have to take someone because someone's got to go first and are they going to overpay because they have to pick someone number one?
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I think Aiden Hutchinson's a really good football player. You're happy he's on a team. I don't think he's Nick Bosa. I don't think he's Joey Bosa. I certainly don't think he's Miles Garrett. But you, you've got to take somebody, Mike. And and here's the problem I see this year: if you're another team, which is, I don't know who people are going to be coming up for. So right. that's why I this is a I, Russell I think,
0: Maryland draft. That's what it is. You know, it's a, it's a Russell Maryland draft. You get you, you, they got the wrong. They got the number one pick in the wrong year.
1: Yeah, I think that's exactly right. That's so well said, Mike. I think Russell Maryland's the exact comp. I think you're getting a good football player who just, at the end of the day, is going to be someone you're – again, you're glad he's on your team. He's going to help you win a lot of games. But when you think about someone that could be you know, a, a difference maker, I don't see that. Now, I spent some time in the Michigan program, went to their practices. He will make others better, and that's what Jacksonville needs right now. Again, the verb I use with Coach Peterson is – coming influence and it's something that they desperately need. And I think Hutchinson is along those lines of a guy that will be part of the solution. And I think you made a great point. I think Trevor Lawrence's mental toughness was underrated. And now you're going to have two guys in Hutchinson um, who can lead and Lawrence, who I think that could be real leaders.
0: You know, the, there's so much talent. And we're talking with Mike Tannenbaum from ESPN, the former uh, NFL executive. Um, There's so much talent at certain positions in the draft. Like there's so much wide receiver talent every year. I mean, it overflows how much wide receiver talent and how much wide receiver talent there is in the league. I mean, there's so much wide receiver talent everywhere. There's so many great wide receivers Uh, in this draft. There's some really good offensive linemen. Um, There's a – I think probably the best football player in the whole draft is the corner, Gardner. He's he's been the best player in college for the last couple of years. I mean, nobody even completed a pass on this guy. I mean, the guy was scary. He's the best player probably in the whole country, uh, best football player. He won't get taken first, but he's probably the best football player on the whole board. Um, So I don't know if he'll go third or fourth or tenth, but he's probably the best player in the whole draft. Mike,
1: I am so glad you said that. I did a mock draft about a month ago, and I I had Gardner going too, and everybody thought I was crazy. I'm so glad you said that. I agree a thousand percent. I think this guy is a difference maker who can really take the opposing team's best
0: receiver out I agree. This guy, nobody went. I watched Cincinnati play last year all year. I watched them play when they were undefeated. I watched them play every week. Uh, the quarterback was very spotty. He was not good. As a matter of fact, he was better as a junior than he was as a senior. He did not play well last year. Their offense sputtered last year. It was better two years ago. But this kid, you... There was a he had a good player on the other side, but this kid, they never went near him. I mean, they never threw the. This kid is to sit there by himself the whole game. They never went near this guy. He that no one ever even threw near him. It was all I haven't seen anything like it since Deion Sanders. Nobody ever threw near this guy. They they didn't. They were afraid to go go even throw the ball near the guy. So he is. And I kept hearing people say, he's the third-rated corner. And I'm like, what are you talking about? How is he the third-rated corner? He's like the best player in the country. And I kept seeing things where he wasn't even the first-rated corner. And I'm like, what? How were they? Po-? And then I, after the combine and everything, you know, he moved up to where they finally talked about him in the right way. Hey, if I was going to pick a football player, he'd be the first guy I picked in the draft. He's the, he, I think he's the best football player two years from now, three years from now. He's the best guy in this draft.
1: I think mean, it's so well said, you know, and when you see him in the bigger games, the Alabamas, he held up really well. And, you know, physically, he looks to be like Crow Marty, like a long player, you know, and Rex always said, working with Rex Ryan at the Jets, always said, you know, I want to play basketball on the back end. I want length. And, you know, there's a lot of different receivers, as we know, you know, sl- slots and bigger guys, but when you can line up outside with the opposing team's best wide receiver and take him out of the game, it really helps the rest of your defense just in terms of spacing, what you do with your other safety. So not only to be is he a great player, Mike, he
0: will create production for others. Not only that, hey, it's nice to have a corner that isn't five nine and, and gets thrown over every play. I mean, this guy's got size. So he I mean that he he's got everything you would want. You know, I've seen him picked as high as 2. I've seen him pick 6. I've seen him, if, if I had multiple picks, I wouldn't even think twice. He'd be the first guy I'd pick. Now with that being said, a lot on the Jets and Giants here. Okay. They have been run terribly. Your old team has been run terribly. They look like they finally are putting together. If the big kid at left tackle doesn't eat himself out of the league, they will have a good offensive line. Now, I don't know if that kid's going to eat himself out of the league. Maybe he is. I mean, I always worry about guys like that eating themselves out of the league. He looks like he was halfway to, 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 to doing that last year. Uh, I don't know. So I don't know what his status is right now. But if he's going to come back and play because he has great – he's got great feet. He doesn't have great flexibility, and I was always taught – flexibility is the most important thing in an offensive lineman more than anything else. I hear people give me everything else. When the the coaches I learned from, I always heard one word when it came to lineman flexibility and he's not the most flexible guy in the world. So you, and and he's too heavy. We know that. Okay. He carries way too much weight, but he does have a lot of ability. Um, They've started to build that offensive line. If I'm the jets, I would continue to build that line. Uh, Is that where you see them going?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great assessment. You know, when we took the Berkshaw Ferguson, we thought we were getting a really good player. And that you happened. did. You got it's a guy who that. was like an
0: anchor forever. He was a really sound, yeah. solid player.
1: And, Mike, he missed one snap in his career, and it's so funny what you said. He had great flexibility, and he missed one snap. It was on a Hail Mary where Darrell Rivas was uh, the left tackle. So I totally agree with that. I think Becton is a good player. I would just make sure that he was immersed in the program 365 days a year because you just don't want to be in a situation, Mike, where, you know, he leaves, he goes home, and he comes back 30 pounds because it, it just it becomes debilitating on, you know, your joints, as you mentioned, flexibility, and that leads to other injuries.
0: You know, people, are, lead, you need a guy, the way I always look at it, Mr. T, is you need a guy to anchor that offensive line. Uh, when Bill came to the Jets, the first thing he did, as you know, was get Kevin Mawai, all right? Uh, And and he didn't even personally love Kevin Mawai uh, as a person, but he knew how good a player he was. And I know he was a clubhouse lawyer and everything else. He was a sour personality, but he was a really good player. You guys, with Nick Mangold and what Nick Mangold brought to the franchise. You need an anchor for that offensive line, a guy who will lead a guy who will get everybody together uh, because that's a place where you need some cohesion. And if I were them, I would do that right now. If they think this young quarterback can play, Build them a line and, and go from there. I mean, I would have done everything I could to get Tariq Hill. Maybe Tariq Hill wanted to go where it was warm, and he wanted to go where there was no state income tax, and they weren't going to get him under any circumstance. I would have, I would have broken a bank to get him. He's that, he's that much of a difference maker. Um, I would have tried everything. Maybe they did, and I'm, I, and, and I'm not you know paying attention, and they did try more than, than I think they did. Um, but that's how special he was. But that offensive line is the right way to go for them would you go what, – what would you do – what would you like to see them accomplish with these two first-round picks the, in, in this draft?
1: I totally agree, Mike. You know, show me a good offensive line. I'll show you a playoff team. You know, Cincinnati was an exception. And to Cincinnati's credit, based on what they did so far this offseason, they know they were the exception. So, Yeah, I listen, they got a
0: game-breaking that. wide receiver and they got a quarterback who has a lot of chutzpah. That's what they came up with. They came up with a quarterback who's got a lot of balls and they came up with a game breaking wide receiver who nobody could cover last year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally
1: agree. Um, but I agree with your fundamental point, Mike, which is for Zach Wilson to have a real chance to be successful. They need to really invest in that line. Cause again, even if Beckton plays durability is going to be an issue. So, um, I would take a tackle. It could be Evan Neal. It could be uh, this Iki Aquanu, who's a really talented player from NC State.
0: Who's better? Which one, which one would you invest in first?
1: I would take Neal just from a standpoint of, if you're playing tackle in the SEC, you're, you're, you're playing in the NFL. And taking nothing away from Aquanu, because I think he'll be a good player. Um, give me a great player. It's that old George Young expression. Give me a great player from a great school ask him to do exactly what he was doing, and more times than
0: not, you're going to hit on it. Uh, absolutely, and, and and you want him to have size, too. I mean, so if he has size, that's a, a, a bigger bonus. You know the guy who's a key in this in this first uh, 10 players is Hamilton because, first of all, some people don't want to take a safety high, but if you can get the right safety who can do the right things, if you can get a – now, I don't expect you to draft a Palomulo, but if you can get a player – with versatility at that position, he can be a great defender for you. I mean, he can be worth his weight in gold, but he's got to be able to be that special guy. Is Hamilton that special guy, or is he a reach uh, at the top of this draft?
1: I, I like him. You know, he has the ability to play man-to-man. And again, if you and I were building a team, especially before we try to, you know, win in the AFC, we have to say like, hey, can he defend Travis Kelsey one-on-one? And I think he can. And, you know, he's a little stiff. But he's a great athlete in terms of, like, size and speed. So he's good, close to the line of scrimmage, but I do think he can play in the deep half of the field, and I think he'll go certainly in the top ten.
0: There's two guys who are either going to make or break this draft for somebody. Uh, the kid from Georgia, Walker, is, is, is number one because they're either going to be really right or really wrong about this guy. Are you on board or off board? I'm I'm concerned because I don't see the
1: production. I don't see elite edge rush ability. I think he's a really good player. I think he's a good interior pass rusher, Mike. But what would concern me is for where you're going to take him, I don't see a great outside edge pass rusher. I see a really good player with uh, really rare measurables, great character. But that's what concerns me about Walker.
0: And the other one is the Oregon edge player. What do you like? You like him? You don't like him? I, I do but you know I, I'm a little
1: concerned that you know he he tapped out of working out at the combine that would bother me from a standpoint of I'm fine if you don't work out there but he told teams he was going to and then didn't and that bothers me because um as we know pro football can be tough certain markets can be really tough Mike and why would you say you're going to work out and then not work out that 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 to me With all his ability, he would have crushed the workout in front of all his peers, put all those concerns um, away, and and instead he sort of – what he said and what he did sort of exacerbates that.
0: Talking with ESPN's Mike Tannenbaum, who had obviously a fascinating career and has had one in the NFL dating back to his uh, being a lawyer and being a capologist and then becoming a – general manager, and being very much involved in building a lot of success and was an inch away. People don't realize, on two different occasions, the Mike Tannenbaum Jets were an inch away from greatness. It it, it was that close. It was was that close. So it's got to be – when you go back and look, it's still got to be frustrating because, you know, I can go – Uh, To certain dates that just changed the franchise, and you were very close on a couple of occasions of hitting the jackpot.
1: I appreciate that. We had a great run with a lot of great people, Um, and I learned a lot, cherished that time, and there were a lot of meaningful people in my career, like yourself, that were great to be, Um, and we had a great run, and we were really, really close multiple times, and what's great, Mike, is years later, I still talk to the Lavernius Coles of the world, and Mark Sanchez, and there's a lot of, like, really good people. Bart Scott. Like, there's people that were great players, great teammates. Curtis Martin talked to all the time. So those relationships have endured despite just falling short in a couple of really big games.
0: And Mr. T, you know, they talk about guys moving up. He moved up to take a player who was one of the great generational players in Darrell Revis who became probably – as k g a negotiator, if you go back and examine his career, probably was a, as k g in and out of contracts as any player in the history of the sport i would think right pretty pretty much so right i mean he he did it he was he was pretty shrewd in that area and he was great but he was on the field a great player he was mike and what he was able to
1: do and why his value was so rare was we were able to double the other team's receivers because he took ordinarily what you talk to guys like Belichick, Parcells, what Bill would tell you is like ordinarily you would take your best corner and you would take him one-on-one with the other team's second best receiver and then double their best. With Revis, you could actually take him against the other team's best receiver and more times than not win that matchup. And that allowed a lot of our great defenses to flow through like spacing because Reeves could literally shut down half the field.
0: There were years he was a really uh, he was he was much better than anybody at his position. There wasn't even close. That's how good he was. He he was a for a long time a a great player. He really was. He he, he that he was nothing short of a great player in his prime. There's no, there's no way around it. And
1: Mike, I had the privilege of watching him in practice.
0: He hated a ball being completed on him at practice. Like, yeah, that's the he, great uh, ones. I mean, that's that's what you want. And he really was that special. And you, you know, listen, guys move up and make mistakes all the time. You moved up, had a conviction on a player, and he turned out to be a Hall of Fame player. I mean, so that's uh, that that that's what these guys are trying to do. And at no position will they look either smart or foolish than at wide receiver, because wide receiver is really in every one of these drafts in the eye of the beholder, you know, every guy has a different wide receiver. He likes number one. Every guy likes a different style of what it's it's like. What kind of sports call you like? You know, it's, 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 it's it's the same thing in this draft. Which guy do you like?
1: Jamison Williams. Uh, I went to the sec championship game. I walked into the building. Couldn't wait to see the Georgia defense. Mike, I walked out. All I was thinking about was I just saw the night next Tyreek Hill. This is a guy that with eight gazillion great Georgia defensive players, he was the best football player on the field. You know, we were talking about Ahmad Gardner a couple minutes ago and how great he is. If I was just ranking football players in this year's draft, I would say Gardner's one, Williams two. Now, he's coming off the ACL. He should be okay. But he's a guy that I saw outrun leverage. I saw him catch the ball and outrun the angle in pursuit that the Georgia safeties had. And you just don't see that. And – He is a guy that has really good hands, good size, but his speed, Mike. I'm telling you, he's Tyreek Hill.
0: Tyreek Hill is a weapon. Like people say, um, the next time there's no next Tyreek Hill. I I've never seen anybody as quick for 10 yards or 15 yards. He's faster than Deion Sanders, and Deion Sanders was about as fast as anybody I ever saw. Now, the one thing about Deion was uh, no one threw at him, so he was inactive a lot of the game, but he was lightning in a football uniform, absolute lightning. This kid, Tyreek Hill, is that fast. I mean, if if people have gone to games... And see how many times he is twenty and thirty yards open down the field. I mean, if they go to a game and actually just watch him, he—I mean—and if this quarterback sees that he doesn't have the normal coverage that takes him away, they throw to him. They're, they're going. They're going to him. That's all there is to it. I mean, he breaks games apart. That's all there is to it, and he makes tight ends heroes. I mean, what people don't realize is. Your tight end should have a field day with him on the field because you got to take him away because otherwise he's going to he's going to get three touchdowns.
1: I totally agree, um, Mike. He to me, it's um, there's certain players that just transform the game, and he's one of them. So that's what you have to look at in the draft. And again, to go back to what we talked about earlier, but that's why Hutchinson he may go down as the first pick. I don't think he's going down as the first player because I don't think he changes the game the way I think Jamison Williams could.
0: See, that's why I don't take him. I mean, that's why I do everything if I could to get out of the first pick. Now, I don't know if there's anybody who would take, like, anybody salivating. This is the wrong draft. I mean, what what Jacksonville needed this year was there to be a great quarterback, (laughs) who they didn't need to take and that they could have traded for a bundle of picks. I mean, that's what they needed. It didn't happen. I mean, that's just the luck of the draw when you're building your franchise they didn't get that this year. They got the pick at the wrong year. I mean, that's all there is to it. It's, it's the, it's the wrong year to have the pick. Um, I, I, that, that pick doesn't excite me. I mean, I, I understand he's a solid player. I really do. But that pick doesn't excite me. It really doesn't.
1: I, I don't disagree. Um, and again, like you just wish there was at least one player. If you're Jacksonville, that someone says, "Boy, we'd love to have him." And even if you got maybe a little bit less than you should from like a trade value standpoint, at least you can move back and again take somebody like a Mod Gardner and get some more picks because they they have so many holes on that team. I like, I just don't see the di- the scenario where someone's going to come up for them. And that's where if I'm a Jaguar Jaguar fan, that concerns me because I, I really think they're going to be stuck here because I just everyone feels the same way. Like you could get the same player at pick eight. You could get a pick one. All
0: right. Right now, a couple of days before the draft, if you had a gun to your head and you had to pick the guys who come off the board, uh, top five, how do you think they come off the board?
1: So I think it goes Hutchinson. Now I think what's interesting is I think Detroit goes either Gardner or I think they could possibly go Thibodeau. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. And then after that, like the top five to me, Evan Neal, if he if he's – if Detroit doesn't take him, which I don't think they will, it would be him. You know, I think the Giants could go pass rusher. If not, I think they take Aquanu and Neal, whichever one is there. Uh, excuse me, that's Jets at four. And then um, – because I think the Jets take a receiver at ten. I think they go offensive or defensive line at four. And then at five, I think it's going to be uh, – who's ever left between Thibodeau, Neal, and Aquanum?
0: All right. So the Giants, you think, let, let's let get to them for a second. All right. Because nobody has been more screwed up uh, in their franchise. Uh, uh, I have been, I've known the football Giants my whole life, uh, you know, through the years, how close I was to the football giants. I mean, I cannot believe what they have become as a franchise. Uh, they they haven't made a right move in so long. And they made a lot of right. As you know, they made a lot of right moves for 25 years. I mean, they didn't make a lot of bad moves for 25 years. Uh, and, you know, they were in five Super Bowls in, in, in less than 30 years. They won four of them. Uh, they were a an elite franchise. They they became an elite franchise from the day George Young showed up to the great Parcells years through Tom Coughlin. They became an elite franchise. I mean, they have become a laughing stock. It it is a joke how bad uh, that franchise has been destroyed. Um, it's time you hope, hope now. I don't know the Buffalo guys. You probably do. Do you have any faith that these guys? The, I, now, I don't want you to bury guys. You're not going to do that. But uh, do you think there's a reason to believe that these guys are the right guys to rebuild this franchise?
1: I, I like Dave Dayball. I, I know Brian well. He was with us in New York. He's a, a problem solver. I think he has good people skills. The question is going to be, does he have the rare mental toughness to deal with the growing pains in New York? And, um, you know, that's the one variable that nobody knows. So it is surprising and disappointing that, that this is where they've gone you know, because we've always revered the New York Giants. And the last five, six years, Mike, has just, you know, it's been very surprising.
0: Yes, they've made so many bad, bad, I mean, decisions that you just don't expect them to make that have been so hideous. It's just a joke. Um, the Giants, with what they have in this draft, they're picking twice. They're picking twice in at the top of a draft. I mean – Think about it. They how how many times are you in a decade or twenty years, Mike, going to have two of the top seven picks in an NFL draft? I mean, it's unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it'll never happen again. And they have to get guys. For me, they they need players that are just rock solid in the locker room that could really hit, help change the culture because it's they need, their needs are everywhere. I mean, what would you do now?
0: What would you do if you're the Giants? Uh, do you think there's one player at five that they are just salivating about? Or do you think they have like a basket and they think, we're going to come out of this with two solid players? I, I don't think this is a
1: draft where there's a lot to salivate over. Again, Gardner, I agree with you. Gardner and Williams are the two best players. But to me, if we could get – if we were the Giants and could come out of this with a guy like Evan Neal, um, like to me, because, again, the SEC background, that's really important to me because we've seen him do a really good job against elite pass rushers. I think Andrew Thomas is going to be okay. And at least now, like, you've taken care of the line. So if they came out of this with Evan Neal, I think that's a really good start for the Giants.
0: See, but you just said, as a talent evaluator, that you think the two best players in this draft are Gardner and the wide receiver, uh, Jameson Williams, okay? Those are the two best players in the draft. Giants have two picks in the top seven. They're not going to come out of there with either one of those players.
1: Yeah, I mean that's if you're if you're picking for the next 10 years, I would take without question I would take uh Jameson Williams cuz if he'll be there at 5 and if you're just doing what's best for your franchise, you take Jamison Williams. I just don't know if they have you know the wherewithal to do that with their first pick. Can Gardner you know, be on at, the
0: board at 5? Yeah, although and if he well, is would you do you think the Giants are nuts if they don't take him at five? I do because So, so do I, I, I. so do I. That's a that's a player the Giants cannot pass up at five.
1: Yeah, Mike, and I said this for a month, like think about Aaron Glenn. Aaron Glenn was a great corner at the Jets. He's the defense coordinator, of Detroit. Yep. He wants to play man to man. That's why I think Aaron Glenn going to Detroit, excuse me, uh Gardner being drafted by Detroit makes all the sense in the world. And I agree with you, like I see greatness in Garner.
0: All right, so let's look again. I know you only have a couple minutes left. We're talking about Mike Tannenbaum. Uh the draft obviously comes your way this week and we're looking at it right now. Jets at four and ten, you think they're gonna wind up with an offensive lineman at four and then a wide receiver at ten? Yes. Yep, absolutely. All right. Uh what would be a good haul for the jets in your mind what give me two names you'd feel good if the jets wound up with
1: well either neil or Quanu at four and then garrett wilson at 10. and here's what i like about garrett wilson he's to me like a guy that has uh, no holes and what i mean by that is i don't think he's a guy that will maybe not be jameson williams but he'll be a really good player a reggie wayne type you like like him better than london I do. London to me is Mike Evans. He's going to be a point scorer. He's a guy that played uh, on the basketball team at USC his freshman year. Um, great athlete, not fast. So if you watch Garrett Wilson play, he can make people miss. And to me, the way our game's being played and what the Jets desperately need, in my opinion, Mike, is somebody that could take you know, a 10-yard pass. And- I agree.
0: Run after catch. Run after catch. I agree. We need elusive players. I agree with that. And what would be a good day for the Giants? And they've had so few at five and seven. What would be a good day for the Giants?
1: Yeah, I would like if if they came out with a pass rusher or so, if Hutchinson somehow was there at five, which I don't expect him, but let's say he was. And then if they came back and was able to get one of those tackles and bookend him with uh, Andrew Thomas, that would be a great day for them.
0: All right. Uh, do you think there will be any blockbuster trade? People keep trying to say, like the Saints or Carolina is going to make a big trade here. Do you see a trade in this? In, in this? Uh, do you see a trade? Maybe a uh, trade for an existing NFL quarterback, a trade for a a uh, dis- disenchanted uh, wide receiver. Do you see somebody making a blockbuster in early in this draft?
1: The only one to me could be the Debo Samuel thing. I think there's something there. I think he's looking for a contract the way Metcalf is and McLaren is. And he's a really so,
0: good player, too, though. You know that? He's a very yes, he talented – I mean, I, I would want him on my team. I have to admit, I'd be, if, he, if they call me about him, I'm going to listen. I'm going to be very interested.
1: I, I totally agree. So that, that, to me, is the story heading into this week, is does uh Debo Samuel get moved?
0: You think he, do you think there's a good chance he could get moved? I think so, because I think, you know, San
1: Fran's in a tough spot right now. And I think they're trying to figure out what to do with the quarterback. And after that, it's going to be how do they handle, you know, Samuel. And I think if they could get a first rounder,
0: I think they're going to strongly consider it. Do you think the Saints are going to be aggressive here?
1: No, I think they're going to take two good players. You know, they have Jameis Winston. I really think they like this kid, uh, you know, they just signed Andy Dalton. and I like Jameis Winston. I
0: think like Jameis like Winston. Winston would have had a big year last year if he stayed healthy. I agree.
1: I agree, Mike. So I don't think it's for a quarterback. I really don't.
0: All right. And the chaos that is going on in this league right now, Mike, stuff that I've never thought I'd ever hear them investigating, the idea of owners paying coaches to lose games and stuff out of Cleveland, stuff out of Miami where you worked for years, what do you think is going to be the resolution of these situations?
1: I really hope nothing came out of that. You know, Steve Ross was a great owner, um, treated me great. We went to the playoffs. We probably had, you know, the quarterback got hurt. That's where they really hurt us. But um, I would be surprised if anything came out of there because the way Steve's hardwired, he wants to win, and nothing like that ever even came close when I was there.
0: All right. thank. Listen, appreciate it. We'll be watching you this week. Uh, continued good luck, and uh, I appreciate you doing this for me so early in the morning. I appreciate it.
1: Mike, anytime. I'm your biggest fan. appreciate everything you've done for me.
0: Thank you. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN, former NFL executive. This is the Mike Francesa Podcast, previewing the NFL draft. And remember, you can get the podcast at betrivers.com or all the places where you uh, get all your podcasting needs and get all your programming. You can go to YouTube. You can go to Spotify, Apple, you name it, for the Mike Francesa Podcast back there.
1: Email the Mike Francesa podcast. Drop Mike a note at Mike Francesa podcast at gmail.com.
0: My thanks again to uh, Mike Tenenbaum uh, for joining us uh, on this uh, draft week. A couple of things real quick. Number one, how big an embarrassment are the Nets in every way for the way they went about doing this with the uh, way they allowed players to treat the process from every single aspect of this to have their players perform this way to have this franchise look this way on the floor in these playoffs is nothing short of an utter disgrace. They should be ashamed of themselves from the front office through the last guy on the team. The Nets should be ashamed of themselves for the product that they have put forth so far. And Durant has hurt his legacy. He needs to rescue it. He needs to rescue it. If he thinks it was solid gold, if you want to stay on the level that he was approaching with his recent postseason performances gone by, you can damage those dramatically. Dramatically. And he has done that in the biggest of ways, more than he realizes how much he has damaged his legacy. And Durant was good enough to have a legacy. Forget Irving. To me, Irving's always going to be a clown. Durant was a great player. He had a legacy. He had a burgeoning legacy. He has done severe, severe damage to it. And the changes the Nets need are from the top down, And it stops on many, many levels. As for the whole thing with Joey Gallo and the Yankees, listen, I'm not trying to pick on Gallo. Sometimes you have to realize you made a mistake. You brought a guy into a franchise you expected certain things from. The best thing the Yankees can do is send this guy somewhere where, A, he can be comfortable as a human being. He clearly isn't. And they can somehow, that franchise, and he can somehow rescue what's left of his career. Because here, it is not too far to where he goes to the bench. You cannot continue to play him with this level of productivity. I understand it's only April. But there, there is a level of performance that has to be maintained to stay in the lineup, especially if you're the New York Yankees. And Gallo isn't doing it. He doesn't belong here. Fix your mistake and do it for him because you're doing him a big favor in the long run. And we have seen enough. We'll have another podcast later in the week. Enjoy the draft. Thanks for listening to the Mike Francesa podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Hey, it's Mike Miss here. What a time to be a Philly sports fan. And you can share the excitement with me each week on the Mike Missinelli podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Listen and subscribe to the Mike Missinelli podcast today wherever you get your podcasts.